the two days he departed from there and went to Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him. Having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had gone to the feast. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you'll by no means believe. And the nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. And then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And so the father knew that it was the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed in his whole household. And this again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. As many of you know, I wasn't able to be here last week, but I had started preparing this particular sermon um, the previous week, and um, many of you know, some may not know, that, that in this last week, the, our church body has just suffered just an incredible tragedy, um, a little... Last Monday, little five-month-old Theodore Rapogel went home to be with the Lord unexpectedly. Five months old. And we've just been ministering to Jordan and Haley and their family. And um, I know their, their prayers are so appreciated and... and they treasure all the love and care that we as a church body can show them. But in the loss of, of, of their little five-month-old, I went back to this particular text and read it again. And, and, and it, it just came out different to me in the midst of that. Um, we had the funeral service here yesterday, and, and our hearts just broke for, for this family. Um, and you look and you, you think about it as a, as a Christian, as a church, and we, we live in a fallen world where we ex- experience all, all kinds of trials and tribulations, um, heartaches, weeping, sadness. Loneliness, pain, sickness, disease, and, and we experience death here sometimes. Many in our church body have experienced incredible pain and trials recently. Um, and, and some are even in the midst of it right now. 
And, and you look and, 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 and we see in, in Scripture that, um, that we will. We, we know that to be the case, don't we? Job, who was acquainted with incredible anguish, said in Job 5, 6, and 7, For affliction does not come from the dust, nor does trouble spring from the ground. Yet man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. Just as sure as you can go down to the beach and light a fire and roast marshmallows, and you look at those sparks, they they fly upward. Um, And and as sure as you know that those sparks are going to be flying upward, we, we know as God's people that we're going to go through trials and we're going to go through pain and we're going to go through sickness and disease and, and death. Um, we're going to go through things that we would never choose for ourselves. Um, you, you think about the path that each one of us takes and we're on this journey and we're running this race that's before us and there's, there's certain things that, that are on this path that you just, you, you don't anticipate just don't expect. Um, I know for the Rapogo family that this was not something that they anticipated. And many of you are going through things right now that you just don't anticipate. My, my wife and I were talking last night just in tears about looking at little Theo and, and thinking about it. And, and our hearts just breaking for the family as well as being in a place of talking and saying, we, we don't know. We, we have no idea of what this course is going to look like. There's times where you run this race that's been set before you, and it just doesn't it just seem so good? It's like, like a jog on the beach. Not that a jog for me anywhere right now is good, but it, for, for some of you runners... A jog on the beach, just that flat area of the ocean breeze, it's, it's wonderful. Um, but there's other times where, where you're, you're running in, in places that are not that way. Um, when I was in high school, I ran cross country. And, and, and I think of, you know, going to the course. You, you, you go to wherever it is and you, you jog the course that week. You run it. You, you see what it's like. You... You see the hills, um, Mount Sac. I, I mean, I think it's almost 30 years ago that I was there. And, 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 and being there and running that race, and you have the switchbacks, and you have poop out hill. Um, that's what they call it. And some of you know what I'm talking about. No one likes it, do you? You, you know, you're, you're running the race, and, and you prepare yourself like, hey, I got I to gotta, I got to pace myself so I can be able to make the switchback, so I can make it to the top of the hill, so I can finish hard. And I'm going to start my kick here, and I'm going to go as hard as I possibly can, and and try to do the best I can in, in the race. And, and so you 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 pace yourself and you plan it. And, um, and yet in, in the in the Christian life, we we make plans, don't we? We 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 can make plans, and we can plan. We can plan all day. We can plan our lives. We can look and say, this is what I think it's going to look like. Um, I, I, I planned. I, I got through college. I jammed through. I remember taking like 23 units one semester. 
just jamming through because I wanted to get married. I just wanted to be able to provide for my family. So I'm like going to get married. I want to get through school. I want to get this done just so I can get a job and be able to make it. And, and so 21 years old, boom, graduate. And bam, 32, I get married. Um, <laughs> everybody else is going to the river, having fun. I'm like, jamming. It's got to get done, you know. Because we make plans. We make plans. Like, I think this should happen at this time. And by this time, I want this. And, and yet, we don't know. I remember my mom saying, she's like, don't say it. But I remember her just saying, come on, Kevin, no one's perfect. No one's perfect. Just marry somebody, you know? Like, But I waited, and I found that perfect person, didn't I? But you look, and, and, and we, we make plans. But God, God has a path for us. He has one for us. And he, he sets out a course for us. And, and not only does he set out a course for us, but he, he carries us at times when we need to be carried. Um, he leads us, and he guides us, and he ministers to us. We see that in the passage before us, we find a dad who has a sick son. And not only is his son sick, but we're told that he's sick, and it tells us to the point of death. He knows. He's been there, and he's seen his son go from a place of having a fever to going to a place where he sees the life of his son leaving him. And his heart is aching just as our hearts would ache for a dad like this and his family. This particular dad is a nobleman, meaning that he was royalty. He, he had a very high position as royalty under Herod, and, and it brought him with that in, incredible power and incredible wealth. And yet as he watched his son grow more and more sick, he knew that No amount of power or no amount of money could save his son. I'm sure he already used his power and money to bring in the best physicians that he could possibly bring in. But he saw no improvement. So what could he do? What could he do? He's looking at his son and nothing is working. Did he have any other options? He undoubtedly heard of the power and the miraculous works of Christ. Maybe he was present when Jesus turned the water into wine. But at this point, Christ was his only option. And you see that he travels about 18 miles from Capernaum to Galilee to try to find Jesus. He, he doesn't send a servant. He doesn't send any other family members. I can just picture him. He's just looking at his son, and he's seeing this, and his family's around, and his servants are around, and the doctors are around, and he's just looking, saying, what can I do? What? Jesus, he's done miraculous things. He turned water into wine. I need to find him. He hears that he's in Galilee and, and he's just on a mission. I'm going, I'm gonna, I don't want to take any chance of any of you guys not going fast enough or hurrying enough or saying the right thing or I'm going. Honey, I'm going. I'm leaving. And he just takes off 18 miles. I look in... in you see at this particular point just incredible desperation from a dad. 
who wants to see his son healed, who wants to see his son live. And so, as our text tells us that he, go, he goes there, and he implored Christ to come down to heal his son, for he was at the point of death. He implores him. It gives us the idea that, that it, he, he asked over and over and over. He's relentless. It doesn't tell us that in, in this particular word. He's not asking once. He just keeps asking, and he keeps asking, and he keeps asking. Christ, just come. Can you please come with me? My son's at the point of death. Would you please come with me? Just please come with me that you can heal him. Just come with me. And Jesus responds to him by saying, unless you people see signs and wonders, you'll by no means believe. It's not the response I'm sure that the man was hoping for at that particular time. Here you have a nobleman and, and one in, in, in whom he's, he's speaking to a, a carpenter, a carpenter's son. He could buy whatever he wants and he's there and it's possible that at one point he would just drag him, say, no, get him, take him to my house. Jesus responds to him, unless you people, and he's referring to multiple people here, referring to the people that are there in this region. Unless you see signs and wonders, you'll by no means believe. You see, Jesus knew exactly what was going on in his heart, this man's heart, this nobleman's heart, and as well as the hearts of the people who were there. It tells us earlier in our text that he went to Galilee because Jesus testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem at the feast. Um, They received him, but they didn't receive him as far as, my Lord and my God, how can we follow you? They didn't receive him in the sense of, he has to be the Messiah. They received him in the sense of, he works in miraculous ways. He turns water into wine. He makes the wine taste better than anything we've ever had before. He's doing all kinds of things all over the place. Let's receive him. Let's see what he can do. Let's see what kind of miracle he might perform. And even this man, as he's going, he's there and he is on a mission. And all he wants to do is see that Jesus comes and sees his son and heals his son and makes it so that his son can live. But Jesus knows in his heart that the man's not concerned about following Christ right now. It's not a matter of, I want to follow you, I want to live for you. He's just saying, I've tried the doctors, I've tried everything, you're my last hope, fix my kid. But his heart is still in a place of of just hardness. And so Jesus says exactly the right thing to minister to this man's heart. Unless you see signs and wonders, you'll by no means believe. And that man must have just heard that and just thought, he's right. Like for me, I, I don't care about him. I don't care about Christ. I don't care about his message. I don't care about anything that he's saying. All I want from him 
is a miracle. I'm just looking for a sign. I'm just looking for a wonder. That's all I want. I just want him to come to my house and then I can be through with him. There were people at that time, while Jesus was here on earth, that thought that way. But there's people today that think the same way. People today where they, they run to Jesus when they want a miracle. When someone's sick or it's just a desperate time in their life, when finances are going bad, um, someone's passed away, when they're at a place where they just need help right then, they go to him. But it's not a life of, I want to follow you. I want to live for you. I, I want the forgiveness that comes from you. I want to be holy as you are holy. I want to follow you as my Lord and as my God, as my Savior. I want to live for you with, with, with every part of my being. They want him when it's convenient and when they need him. And to them, the Lord would also say, unless you see signs and wonders, you'll by no means believe. You just want signs and wonders. That's all you're looking for right now. And so this man, he hears this. And the nobleman says to Christ again in verse 49, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. Something shifted in the man's heart as far as, please come. Please come. I think of um, a time where where I I, I think I saw probably a, a similar look. It's appropriate to bring it up today since Pastor Dan Gammy's here. Um, Dan's here sitting in the second row um, with his wife, Robin. And Dan was our former associate pastor here at Reverence when we first started and, and then moved to Colorado. And uh, I'm thankful to have you guys here today. But you, you know well, we, we were in Africa. We, we had driven on these dirty, dusty roads um, up to a place called Midigo, uh, right, right, right just a few miles south of the Sudanese border. And we were there, and um, from all the dust and from everything, their oldest daughter, Lessie, started having an asthma attack. And just in a place of, like, she, she couldn't breathe. She could not. She was having the hardest time breathing. And Dan came to me, and, and Pastor Dan said, She's having an asthma attack. She hasn't had one of these in years. But she's not going to make it. I need, she needs to have a, a nebulizer. She needs like the specific medicine to make it so she can start breathing. There's no nebulizers here. There's no electricity here. There, there's no hospital that's, that would have anything like that for miles and miles. I mean, and, and he just said, there's, we can't fly her out. We don't even have time to fly her out. We can't drive her anywhere. And I could just see it in his face as far as, I'm, I'm going to lose my baby here. I'm going to lose her here. He's like, we, just need, we, need, we need to have a nebulizer. And Dan and I and 
Robin, I think Dr. Juventine was there, and he said, we don't have a nebulizer. I don't know anywhere that has a nebulizer except in Kampala. And we knew that it would be a day before we got to Kampala. And we talked, and you get to see it was just trembling. Um, her breaths were getting so much shorter. And, and, and I said, let's just get the whole group together and pray. Let's just pray. Let's pray. And so we got the whole group together. We explained. We, 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 we said, we need to pray. We prayed. Um, we explained the situation afterwards. Like, she doesn't have a nebulizer. She needs one. She's not going to be able to breathe. And this one little girl, Emily, says, I have a nebulizer. And Dan, just with the gigantic faith that he had at the time, says, no, 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 you don't understand. <laughs> it's like a machine. It's like a machine. You plug it in and, you know, it's not one of the little inhalers. We need a nebulizer. She goes, I have a nebulizer. But no, you do? She needs like this medicine to go with it. I have the medicine too. I have it. I brought it. I haven't used it since I was a little girl, but I thought maybe I should just bring this just in case. And, and so she brought it. And it was exactly what Leslie needed. She was right back to normal within, within minutes. You see God's faithfulness. Just We prayed. We called out to him. Emily, just at the end of the trip, she goes, I didn't know. Like at the whole, This whole trip, I've just been thinking, like, why did I even come? Like, I'm not doing anything. I, I'm not good at talking in front of people. And everybody else, I see them all doing all kinds of stuff. And I'm just here. And this whole time, I was thinking, why am I here? How am I being used? And then she's like, I was here to bring my nebulizer. That's <laughs> why I came, you know? But just the way that the Lord provided, the way that the Lord cared, and we see sometimes where the Lord just does that. He works in ways with signs and wonders that are just miraculous that we don't anticipate. And, and then there's sometimes where that doesn't happen, right? Sometimes where people go home to be with the Lord. In this particular case, we look and, and Jesus says, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. But the man continues to persist. Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus didn't respond to him the way that he had hoped to the first time. The second time, Jesus still doesn't do what he says. The second time, Jesus just says to him, go your way, your son lives. Jesus could have easily said, okay, let's go. Let's go, I'll go. I'll walk to... to to Capernaum with you. Let's go. It'll, it'll take us about four or five hours. Let's, let's walk. Let's go see your son. But he doesn't do that. Jesus just says, go, go your way. Your son lives. Something had changed in that man's heart to where It tells us the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. He believed. He heard Jesus say, go your way, your son lives, and he believed. It wasn't based on signs and wonders. He wasn't saying, well, before I leave, give me a sign that my son's really living. He just says, okay, I believe. I'll go. Not only does he believe, but 
what we find as the text goes on is, is he, he doesn't just walk home. He, he could have he made his journey home at that particular time, but he doesn't get back till the next day. Maybe it was, he was talking with the disciples, or maybe he was learning more, or maybe he was just in a place of, I know my son's okay. I know he's okay. I saw the way that he said that to me. I, I, I heard it. I saw his face. I know my son's okay. In, in my mind, I would have been like, okay, he's okay. He's going to live. And it would have just been, let's race home. I want to see if it's really true. But he doesn't do that. He sticks around for that day. Spends the night. Goes home the next day. And as he's going home, his servants met him. Saying, your son lives. And immediately he just says, okay, so when did he get better? Not, all right, he's okay. Just, when did he get better? When did that happen? They tell him the hour. And he says, that's the same hour. That's the exact same time that Jesus said, your son lives. It's the exact same time. And again, he believed. His faith is encouraged even more. Not only does he believe, but it tells us his whole household, his kids, his wife, his servants, his household believes. He comes back and just says, this is what God has done. This is what Jesus did. He he said this to me, and then he said this to me, and then he said, my son lives. And it was at this particular hour, and I came back, and it's exactly the way that he said, and his whole household believed. And we look and we see in Scripture that there's not many who are noble, who are called. Right? Well, this is one of them. He's one of the not many. And he believed, not only did he believe, but his whole household. And we look at this and we see that there was um, genuine faith that was within him as a result of hearing the words of Christ. Go your way. Your son lives. I think about this and I, I, I think, okay, so how does this apply to us? There's times in this journey in, in which we are going to cry out to the Lord and we are going to cry out for, in, in prayer and in just repetition. Lord, please heal this person. Please let them live. And there will be some times where he does. He heals them completely. We... We could go through the, the list of just prayer requests from our church on the prayer chain and just see time after time after time of God just working in miraculous ways. But we also have times in which the Lord takes people home. Times in which the prayer is not answered in the same way that we anticipated it to be answered or that we had hoped for. But how is it that we respond to what Christ says? There's scribes and Pharisees in Matthew chapter 12 that come to Jesus and, and say, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Show us a sign. Do a miracle. Do something incredible. We want to see a sign. And Jesus responds by saying, It's an evil and it's a wicked generation that seeks after a sign. And no sign will be given except for the sign of Jonah, the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. 
I'm not going to give you a sign, scribes and Pharisees. But just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of that great fish, I will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. I will die and I will be buried. And in three days, I'll rise again. That's your sign. And look, and, and there were surely scribes and Pharisees that came to know Christ after that. There's, there's those that read that and heard that and said, okay, so he prophesied that he would die, not only that he would die, but that he would be in the heart of earth for three days and three nights, and that's exactly what happened. He was buried in that tomb, that rich man's tomb, just as we had heard in the Old Testament, and it came just the way that he had said, that he rose again three days later. And there's those that believed as a result of that, that particular sign, the resurrection. But do we believe? You see, with Thomas, one of the 12, where he hears of those that saw Jesus after his resurrection, and he's hearing all these things, and, and yet he hadn't seen the Lord yet. Everybody else is saying, Jesus appeared to us. We saw him. And Thomas is saying, I haven't seen him yet. I haven't seen him. And Thomas just says, unless I, I, put, unless I see his hands and put my the, the, the handprint of, of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side. I'm not going to believe. You guys can say this all you want. You can say that you've seen him. You can say that he's appeared to you. But unless I take my finger and just put it in the holes that are there in his hands and the hole that is in his side, I'm not believing. I want to see it. I need to see it. And we know the story. Eight days later, The disciples are there. They're inside. The doors are all shut. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of them, Jesus appears and says, peace to you. Goes to Thomas and says, Thomas, reach your finger here and and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answers and replies, my Lord and my God. Puts his fingers there. Sees the holes, sees Jesus, and his response is just, You are my Lord, you are my God. You're my God. Jesus responds, Thomas, because you've seen me, you've believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have yet believed. You've seen it and you believe. There may be those that are in our congregation this morning that look and say, like, well, I want to see a sign. I want to see a sign. If, if, if God made lightning strike down right now and hit that, then I'll believe. Or if God does this in my life, then I'm going to believe. If God can just change these circumstances, then I'll believe. How could God let me go through this? I don't, I don't know that he exists, and I want to see a change that takes place. And unless something changes, I'm not going to believe. And... Yet we have testimony after testimony after testimony of Jesus appearing to those after the resurrection. We see the signs and the wonders that he did, the incredible things of making a withered hand become whole, making someone who was covered with leprosy being made clean, seeing people who were blind made able to see, people who were deaf made able to hear, people who were mute able to speak, people who were paralyzed able to walk, people who were dead rise again from the dead. We have account after account after account in Scripture of just incredible miracles in which he's done. And yet for some, they say, 
I want a sign. I want a wonder. I want that. And I think Jesus would say the same to them. As he said to that man, unless you see signs and wonders, you'll by no means believe. Do we believe? Not only do we believe that Christ is our God and our Savior and that he died on the cross for our sins. But we, do we believe him when he says things like, through the Apostle Paul, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are the called according to his purpose. Do we believe that? I mean, when you go through just incredible trials and you're looking at your life and you're looking at all that has happened, do you look and do you think, okay, I, he tells me that somehow this will work together for good in my life because I love him. I'm the called. And like the nobleman, do you walk away believing? He hadn't seen anything yet. He hadn't seen his son. He hadn't seen, heard from his servants that his son was living, but he believed. He looked, and, and, and it wasn't about a sign or a wonder or God audibly speaking to him or anything like that as far as some miraculous thing. He just he hears what God says. And he believes, stays the night, starts heading home the next day, and here's at that point. For some of you, you'll look and you'll, you'll have a promise like, and we know that all things work together for good to those who are the called, to those who love God and are, who are the called according to his purpose. And you're going to look and you're, you're going to say, I don't know how. Like, I don't know how that's going to work together for good. But I believe him. Like, if he says that, I believe him. And your journey may not be just till tomorrow. Your journey may go until the Lord takes you home. And you look and you say, oh, well, that's how you work that together for good. I had no idea how that was going to work together for good. But that's how you worked it together for good. Others of us may look and, and it may be days or weeks or months later where we look and we say, oh, that's what he was doing. See, in my mind, I was just consumed with these circumstances and I looked at the promises of God and he said, and we know that all things work together for good. And I didn't get it, but I just believed, even though I hadn't seen it yet. I just believed. When we're like the Apostle Paul and, 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 and we're looking at our lives and we're looking at everything going around and we're, we're saying, there's this thorn in my flesh and it's there and... and I've asked the Lord, pleading with him three times that it would depart from me. I just want this out of my life. I need this gone. I want it gone. And his response is, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Do we believe that? I mean, when we look and we see a thorn in our side, whatever it is, where there's this thing that just, it just stays there and it hurts and it's painful and it's something where we're just pleading, God, please just take this away. Can you please just take this away? Take it away. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength's made perfect in your weakness right now. And do we look and say, okay, I believe you. I believe that your grace is sufficient. I believe that you can use this, Lord, in my life. And, and I can be strong in the midst of weakness. And you may travel and you go and you go about your next day. And later on you find out. Yeah, his grace was sufficient for me at that time. 
I trust in the promise that he just said it here. I didn't need a sign or wonder. I didn't need something miraculous. He just simply told me that his grace is sufficient for me, and I believed him. And, and now I, I, I see that, that it really was. And you may be in a place, someplace in between right now where he said, my grace is sufficient for you, and it's been days, and it's been weeks, and it's been months, and it's been years, and you're going along, and you're saying, okay, 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 okay. And you get to a place, and it surely is... God's word is powerful and true and unfailing. You know that his strength will be made perfect in your weakness. We look and we see promises after promises given. You hear him say to people, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I've gone to prepare a place for you. I've gone to prepare a place for you. I'll receive you. I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And, and, and Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And we look and we say, okay, in the midst of everything, I can be at a place of not letting my heart be troubled right now. Like not letting my heart be troubled. Trusting in his promises. I think of the Rapogo family. They had lost their five-month-old. And to be in a, a place of heartache and grieving, but yet, yet although they have not yet seen the sign or wonder, or have not yet seen where their son is, to be at a place of, okay, he's, he's clothed in righteousness and he's entered into the joy of the Lord and in his presence is fullness of joy and in his right hand are pleasures forevermore and God wipes away every tear and, and God's made it so there's no more pain. God's, God's made it so that he's being taken care of and, and God is just ministering to him in just incredible ways right now and he is safe and he's safer than he'll ever, ever possibly be. Anywhere else, he, he is as safe as he could possibly be. And there's never going to be a sinful thought that goes into his mind. And there's never going to be a time where his heart's broken. He is in a place where he has entered into just incredible joy. And whatever peace that he had when he was here on earth, it's just magnified infinitely as far as the peace that is there in heaven. Whatever love he experienced from his parents, it's just magnified just in incredible ways as far as the love of, of, of the Father, which is a love that cannot be improved upon at all. And whatever joy he had in these first five months here on earth, oh, he's entered into the joy of the Lord. And to be a parent, to be able to look and say, okay, I don't understand. I don't understand all of the things, but I know that he told me I don't have to have my heart be troubled. And I, I may not see him for 30, 40, 50 years, but I believe, I, I believe he's safe and I believe that he's okay and I believe that he's in the arms of Christ and I believe that he is experiencing more joy than he could ever, ever have possibly imagined here on earth. And it's these kind of promises that we look at and we say, okay, I haven't yet seen it and there's not the signs and wonders, but I, I believe it. Someday I will see it and it'll be confirmed and someone will come and say, He lives. It was the very hour he lives. And we'll see it all come to fruition, but there's times right now where we don't. There's times right now where we need to trust that truly the sting of death has been removed. We 
we could go on in many other areas as well. We hear God's word. What silver man sows, that will he also reap. Do we believe him? Or do we look and say, no, I think I'm the exception. I could do it my way. I'm going to do it my way. Or God, if you really don't want me to do this, then you work miraculously to make it so that doesn't happen. Or do we just hear his word and say, I believe. I don't want to reap destruction. I don't want pain coming into my life as a result of being disciplined by a loving father. Times in our life where provision isn't there. It just seems like the well is dry and I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills and I don't know how this next chapter is going to look. And to be in a place of hearing the Lord say, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or nor about your body or what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds, they err, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And to be at a place of, okay, but I wanted to win that lottery ticket. I wanted something miraculous. We went to Wienersensel the other day, because that's what we do. And, and Jonathan's like, it says that we could win a million dollars, Daddy. It says we could win a million dollars. And so we got five corn dogs to see if we could win a million dollars. And Jonathan's planning, like, what we're going to do if we win the million dollars. And he's just thinking, million dollars, million. And I started thinking, like, what would I do if I won a million dollars? Like, let's say, I'm going to, you know, eat those corn dogs fast, kids. We want to see if we get this thing. But you look, and, and the provision may not come from Wiener Stencil. It may not be the million dollars that happens right then. We may look, and we just say, like, hey, he's going to provide. He'll provide. He'll provide. He'll provide. And we come to a place of, he's carried us this whole way. It may not have been plenty, but it was sufficient. For every one of our needs, he's provided. And to be able to come to a place and just say, I believed him here. Help my unbelief, Lord, but I believe you. And we just travel and we journey and we just see the faithfulness of God. I think it's just absolutely vital for us to have such a view of God and understand him in such a way that when we are here on this particular path and we go through a place that we just do not wish that we were ever at, to be able to know he is sovereign, he is in control, and he is leading us, and he is guiding us, and he will carry us when he needs to carry us. And we are going, and he is good, and he delights in doing good to his people, and he works all things together for good. And there's not a sparrow that falls to the ground apart from his will. And he began a good work in you, and he'll be faithful to complete it. And he is just working mightily in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And he is molding you and shaping you and doing such a work that he will bring you into eternity and he will make you his bride and he will prepare you as a bride adorned for her husband and you will go and you will enter into heaven and it will just be absolutely incredible as you see his face and you are there and you're clothed in robes of righteousness and you have the joy of the Lord, inexpressible, full of glory for all eternity and you will look and you will say, Lord, I believe. I just, I, I, You said the things that you said, and it all happened just the way that you said it was going to happen. It all happened the way you said it was going to happen. Apart from that, we become that wicked generation of just show me a sign. I'm not believing. If you don't show me, if you don't do this, if you don't do that, I'm not going to believe. Look at the testimony of all that God has done throughout history. Believe him. 
Study his word. Look at it. It is perfect. It is perfect. It is without error. It is authoritative. Believe it. And just look and see his faithfulness throughout the generations and trust him. May we be that generation that does that. May we be like the noblemen who not only do we believe, but our entire household does. We just go and just tell our entire household, this is who he is. This is what he's done. This is his faithfulness. And we see the fruit come in our entire household and even in our entire land. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for this account, the story of the nobleman and your faithfulness to him. We pray, Lord, that we would be like him in the sense of believing you as we go our way, even though we may not see all the details right now. As a church family, we pray specifically for the Repubble family, Lord. We pray for Jordan. We pray for Haley. We pray for the kids. We pray for the extended family, Lord. Please just minister to their hearts right now. Comfort them. Give them a peace that just passes all understanding. Listening to Jordan talk at the funeral yesterday, just saying, if just one person came to know Christ as a result of my son's death, it would be worth it all. What a heart. We know, Lord, that you can work in just incredible ways to bring people to know you and administer to our hearts. We thank you for your faithfulness and we thank you for your control of all things. May we trust you and just depend upon you and follow you as both our Lord and Savior. Lord, please be exalted through the praises of your people now. In Jesus' name, amen.